Welcome to the Future of Field Service podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Nicastro. Uh, today, we are talking about a very important topic, um, one we hear about a lot, which is diversity and inclusion. Uh, we're going to have a very honest conversation about what my guest feels is the real key to driving progress when it comes to diversity and inclusion. Um, I'm excited to welcome to the podcast today, Latasha Rindel, who is the Director of Service Operations Excellence at Schneider Electric Digital Buildings. Latasha, welcome to the Future of Field Service podcast. Thank you so much, Sarah. It's an honor uh, to be here today. Thank you. Yes, I'm excited to have you. So Latasha and I had uh, the good fortune to meet um, in September at the Service Council uh, Smarter Services Symposium in Chicago. And, um, you know, uh, I started in this space, Latasha, in 2008. Um, and I will say there was very often I was the only woman in, in a room uh, at any of these conferences. Um, and, uh, you know, um, we still were, were not, there wasn't very many of us at the service council. Uh, no. and I think we both took note of the fact that, uh, among the few women that were there, um, yeah. you were the only black woman there, right? That so there's, correct. there's still some progress to be made when it comes to diversity in this industry for sure. So, for sure. Latasha um, and I caught up after the event and had a, a really good conversation about this topic. And she was kind enough to agree to come on the podcast and talk with you all about it as well. And I'm grateful for that. So Latasha, before we dig into the topic at hand, why don't you tell folks a bit about yourself? Sure. Um, as you mentioned, my name is Latasha Rindel. Uh, I am first and foremost, excuse me, um, the wife to a wonderful husband. His name is Stephen. Um, we have two wonderful children, um, Jasmine and Joshua. You know, it's pretty cool to have such a great support system, not only from um, my husband, but from my kids as well. When, when you as a parent, right, you want to be the best that you can be uh, to lead by example and pave the way for them and ultimately, right, to give them the things that you've never had. Um, but one of the things that I do think is important um, that I share with you today, um, just so you understand how I got to where I am today, is a little bit about my background. Um, at a very young age, you know, I, I made the decision to, to make some changes in my life. And let me just tell you why. Um, I was put in, in foster care uh, when I was six years old. So I am uh, the product of the system. Um, I was exposed to, you know, some very bad things. I was exposed to, you know, um, physical and emotional abuse, uh, like domestic violence, uh, drug and alcohol abuse, and, you know, and poverty. Um, I wouldn't take those things back for any reason, right? It helps define who you are as a, a person and gives you perspective or your lens um, on life. But those experiences made me believe um, at a very young age um, that I want something different in my life, right? So um, never had alcohol before. I made that decision at a very young age that I would never drink. And I have adhered to that, you know, as I am a, a middle-aged woman, um, as well as I am the first 
uh, person in my family to get a, a college degree. You know, my grandparents who ultimately raised me, my grandfather couldn't read or write. Um, and my grandmother had a middle school education. So it was very important to me. It's something that I instill in my kids as well. My daughter is a, a dental hygienist. She's doing fantastic. Uh, she's a successful business owner as well, online business owner. Uh, my son is studying biochem at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, and he will be pursuing his eye doctor degree afterwards. So very proud of those things. Yes, absolutely. And you should be. Um, and, you know, bef before I have folks tell, uh, before I have you tell folks a bit about your role at Schneider, you know, when Latasha and I caught up and, and talked about these things, you know, it was really just a conversation, two people getting to know each other, right? And, right. and um, those of you that listen to this podcast regularly know that I'm a pretty inquisitive person, and I kind of naturally have a, a lot of questions. And so, some of the questions that I asked Latasha that she agreed to talk about today, you know, I, I didn't really go into that conversation thinking we would do a podcast on this topic. Um, and I just want to be clear that um, when it comes to the role of, uh, you know, non um, non minority folks, right? So, so people, white people, um, you know, people, men for sure, uh, all of those things, you know it really is our responsibility to be willing to expand our own minds, to learn, um, to uh, take the time to, to read and to listen to stories and to understand. Um, and, and I asked Latasha very frankly if she would be willing to have this conversation because there are many people that feel it is not um, uh, the, the people of color's responsibility to educate uh, everyone. And mm -hmm. Um, and so she she was kind enough to come, and I think she has uh, a bit of a unique perspective on that point. Latasha, I, I don't know if you mind speaking to that, but I know that for you, you see it as an opportunity, not a um, a burden, right? So Absolutely. And, and one of the reasons why I'm so willing to share this story is I want to give others that are out there who were like me in that position as a child, hope mm -hmm. that where you are at this moment doesn't necessarily determine where you can be in the future, right? That's one of the key reasons. This is my way of giving back, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, um, and I think for the people that have a genuine desire to really positively impact the diversity and inclusion in their organizations, um, you know, while there is a lot of research that can be read and books that can be read, wonderful authors that talk about, you know, bias and, and all of the things that we mm -hmm. really do need to educate ourselves on. Mm -hmm. I don't know that there's anything more powerful than hearing people's personal perspectives. And so that's why I'm very thankful that you agreed to have this, uh, this talk today. So um, tell the audience a bit about uh, what you do at Schneider. Um. Day to day, I mean, I'm responsible for driving consistency and standardization throughout the organization, managing a centralized team, as well as making sure our frontline workforce have the tools and processes that are needed to execute our services to our customers. And that's very important to me. We need to make sure our frontline workforce 
is happy because they are the face of Schneider, right? When they're interacting with our customers. And if our frontline is happy, the customers are happy, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And that, um, you know, the, the title of operations excellence, I mean, that is a very, very important job, particularly when you talk about standardization at the scale yes. uh, that Schneider is, is standardizing. Um, and so I think, you know, based on what I heard at the service council and, and what I heard talking with you, you know, the approach you're taking is very good because it's, it's respectful of the front line, which obviously is very important. So, yeah. okay. All right. So the key to um, making real progress here, we talked about the fact that, that the word you would put as the key is courage right? So we need to have courage to continue to drive progress when it comes to diversity and inclusion. So let's talk about a couple of areas um, where we need to continue to, um, you know, nurture and uh, find and create courage so that we can move the needle. Uh, Mm -hmm. The first is courage and conversation. So I think you know, we are, um, we're uh, walking that talk right now, right? So we're, we're yes. here, we're having a conversation <laughs> for everyone to hear. Um, but talk a little bit more about, you know, some of the ways that it is important to um, bring courage into different conversations related to this yeah. topic. So I, I read a book um, a while back um, called Crucial Conversations. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of that. I, I thought that book was fantastic. It talks about um, how important effective communication is, as well as making sure you take advantage of opportunities that you're in and have that courage to speak up in that moment, because they'll be more impactful, right? Um, I I was um, having a conversation with one of the leaders at Schneider Electric, and it was pretty interesting. And I I just want to highlight it quickly. They were sitting in a board meeting and they were they're very mindful of diversity, equity and inclusion. And as as they're sitting in this meeting, they realize, you know, there's a gap here. Right. Um, And I think when you recognize things like that, it's important that you have the courage to say something. It's important that you have the courage to take action as Mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. Those are all important things. Um, As you were talking about this event that um, we were at and, you know, not many women were there. I was the only, you know, minority woman there. And to actually have the courage to speak up and say something to the leader, you know, I noticed that right? You put it at the forefront. So they realize that this is important, right? It it impacts other people, Mm -hmm. right? So I think when you have the courage to have these types of conversation, um, it puts it at the forefront. And then maybe they will have the courage to say something and take action in the future. So yeah, yeah. You know, I think that's a really good point. And, you know, like I said, looking back on my years of going to some of these events year after year after year, I mean, I see the progress, but I think it's important for us to respect the fact that progress is good, but until things are equal, it's not good enough. Right. Right. And, um, you know, I think that this idea of courage is important because I, I think, um, Well, I know for myself, right, I consider myself 
actively anti-racist. Okay. I mean, I am, I, I read, I research, I, um, you know, I donate money. I mean, I do a lot of things, uh, intentionally. I surround my children with diverse network. We have a lot of people in our, um, close, close friends, you know, and, and of all sorts. Right. So it's very important to me, but I think the thing we have to understand is even when you um, can say that that's a value you have, right, as an ally, um, you don't reach a point where the work is done and everyone still has things that they don't know how to bring up in the right way or, you know, so I think that um, one of the points around courageous conversation that I think is important is intent, right? Because um, that doesn't mean you can just, you know, as a, as a non-minority say whatever you think with no repercussion. Right. Um, but I think sometimes we are so fearful of speaking because we're so scared to say the wrong thing and have it perceived mm-hmm. the wrong way mm-hmm. that then we are silent just because it's, it's, it can be scary, especially in today's media and social media. You know, you can think of an executive thinking, hmm, something's not right here, but I don't want to say the wrong thing. And then, right. you know, so it's a delicate balance for sure. But I think that if your intent is good and your yeah. intent is right, then you are better off speaking up and having to apologize for maybe saying the right thing in the wrong way <laughs> than you are not saying anything at all, right? So that's, that's just one point I want to make as someone that has had a hard time with that myself is, you know... Um, in situations where there's a blatant act that is just, you know, uh, needing to be addressed, you know, that's a very clear cut situation where I would never have issues speaking out. But when it comes to the idea of, you know, kind of the continual improvement and understanding some of the layers that you might need to understand to make real change, you know, there's a lot of conversations I think that can get avoided because people are just fearful of tackling them the wrong way. So I think, you know, have the courage to have the conversation and know that if your intent is good, um, do it in the most sensitive and respectful way you can, but understand sure. that it missteps are not the end of the world as long as you are acting, you know, in earnest, right? Yeah, um, would you agree with that? I would absolutely agree with that. And again, it's about having the courage to have the conversation, but transparency. It's okay to say, I may not say this right, but just Mm -hmm. bear with me here. Put it out there. Be vulnerable, right, in Mm -hmm. those situations. I think Schneider Electric, you know, today is my one-year anniversary, and I'm I'm so excited to be here. I've, I've taken a moment to reflect over the year and Schneider Electric does a a good job, a great job at being people focused, Mm -hmm. as well as creating, I feel like I am in an environment where I am safe um, to talk openly about things, just me and my colleague, um, just I can have an open conversation. um, And it's okay, if Mm -hmm. it doesn't come out right, that Mm -hmm. is okay. Yeah. Um, but, But being open and transparent is a part of that as well. Yeah. I think it just, it can't be a crutch though, either. You know, I mean, that's the only thing is like, it's okay to say, I don't know if I'll say this right, 
but that can't be an excuse to also not educate yourself. Right. Good and point. to also yeah. not do the work on your own. Right. So it's, it's a ba- that's why I say it's a delicate balance. Like that's not just a free card to show up ignorant and let everyone give you a pass for not caring enough to, um, yeah. dive into all of the resources that are out there to, um, I mean, I have a stack of books next to me. I could go through that. I would recommend to people to read <laughs> on this, this topic, because it is important to, invest your time and energy into the things that you care about. But that being said, no one is going to show up perfectly, right? So we can't wait to be able to do that to have those talks. Okay. Um, So the next area of courage is in uh, examining our um, biases, including unconscious bias. So what would you say related to that? I think it's important to understand that we all have some kind of unconscious bias that we're not aware of. I think Schneider Electric does a great job at sprinkling the concept of unconscious bias throughout their organization, whether it be initiatives, uh, business processes, uh, communications. And when they sprinkle those little topics and things throughout the throughout the year, it, it makes you think, you know, mm-hmm. not only at work, um, but outside of work as well. And I'll just give you an example of some, one of the business processes that they're using in order to like sprinkle in, you know, this unconscious bias. You know, I was um, interviewing candidates for a global position mm-hmm. and working with the recruiter, you know, they send you the overall package that includes, you know, the candidate's resume. And then there's this, this interview tips and tricks. <laughs> and it specifically talks about leave your unconscious bias behind. Mm -hmm. Um, Don't look at weight. Um, It's okay if they don't look like you. I mean, this, this was, this is the first time that I've ever experienced that before in Mm -hmm. the 20 years that I have been managing people. And I'm like, wow, we are on a spectrum right now of change. Mm -hmm. When you talk about diversity equity and inclusion. And I'm so proud to be a part of an organization where I can see it, where mm-hmm. they're they're really taking steps, right? And so when you are put in a position like this, just in that interviewing um, situation, you step back and you begin to reflect as well as an individual in your personal life as well. So um, I'm, I'm very proud to be a part of that change that's going on right now in our organization. So. I think on this topic, um, one of the things I would point out is to understand that what you said, everyone has biases, right? So Mm -hmm. having them doesn't make you a bad person. Being unwilling to examine them is the problem. And I think um, Robin D'Angelo's book, White Fragility, really taught me that because when I started reading it, to be honest, uh, I went into it thinking like, I don't need to read this. I'm not racist. Right. Right. Um, and like the intro is like, if you think you're not racist, you're racist. And I was like, "Uh Oh, Oh. (laughs) like I need to read this. Um, but the point of the book is, you know, you can't go around thinking you don't have these biases. Everyone does. And that's the the problem is we associate guilt with them. And so we are unwilling to say, yes, I have biases or yes, I've acted in a way that is racist because that's associated with being bad. But in reality, everyone has it, right? So if you can separate the 
the label of guilt. Now, of course, there are people that are just, you know, bad and have biases, right? So that's a different situation. But the idea is like, on the average, someone doesn't want to admit to a bias because they think that makes them a bad person. But the reality is we all have them. So as long as you're willing to continually check yourself against them, um, you know, that's where it's, it's about doing the work. So I think, you know, the understanding of everybody has these, it's just whether you're willing to admit it and work to correct them or not. Right. right? Uh, that, that can be important. Um, also recommend that book, uh, to everyone. Um, it was eye opening. Uh, so, okay. Uh, the next area is, um, courage in challenging faulty thinking and harmful beliefs and actions, regardless of motive. Yep. That's a very, a very good one. And, and, Overall, I think I lead by example around this topic, and and I'll just explain that a little bit. Um, I feel like there's the stigma or perception about the African-American woman um, that we are loud, obnoxious, argumentative, and combative. Um, and I do everything in my power to try and defy that myth. I live in a, a area um, called Sussex, Wisconsin. It's a suburb of Milwaukee. Um, it's less than 1% of African Americans in that area. Not very diverse, so to speak. Um, but I make every effort when I am in the community to make sure I'm leading by example. And I'll, I'll give you an example. I went into a coffee shop. It's a local local coffee, coffee shop in the area. And there's, you know, some retired um, white gentlemen in there reading their paper. You know, it was probably like four sitting at the table and you walk in there, you know, I, I need to feel like, you know, it could be uncomfortable at first, but you got to feel like you you belong, right? So you hold your head high, you go in there, and you order your cup of coffee. And I was shocked by the fact that someone actually looked over to me and said, good morning. And I turned back and I said, good morning. And this began to happen repeatedly as I would go get my coffee, you know, two to three times a week. And one morning, the gentleman was like, you, you're going to have to sit with us because, you know, we kept having this little banter. But the whole point of the story is, is I want to make sure that I'm presenting myself in a way that is positive, that I'm articulating myself in a way, and that I can carry myself and be present in the moment, right? I think all those things are important. So I can say to someone else, when they look at me, I am defying, you know, that myth that they have about the African-American woman, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. And I think that, you know, going back to um, the the courage to speak up, you know, I think when we see someone say the reason that I said regardless of motive is because it goes back to um, the intent. Right. I mean, unfortunately, there are some people saying and doing things out of some Mm -hmm. hatred. Right. And it's it's just malicious. Right. And that is is very unfortunate. Um, And it 
deserves to be called out. It deserves to be addressed. It deserves to be punished. Um, I think what gets a little trickier is when you hear or see someone do something where it isn't a poor motive. It's just ignorance because I think there can be kind of the question of, Ooh, do I say something or, well, they didn't really mean it that way. Right. But the problem is it doesn't matter if you meant it that way. If you hear somebody say something that is, you know, a microaggression or, you know, anything, I mean, those are the things that make, um, you know, we're talking about work, right? Make a workplace not a positive environment for certain people. And so sometimes, you know, you might be further along in examining your own biases or actions than some of your colleagues. And to me, I see it as a responsibility to speak up and help educate those around you to say, Hey, you know, and not to make a big deal of it, but on the side, Hey, I don't know if you, I don't think you meant anything by this, but when you said X, I wonder if so-and-so could have perceived this in a negative way. So, you know, just to point things out to people. Right. And I think to your point, going back to the environment at Schneider, um, if you can create an environment where this is an important objective for everyone within the organization and have that transparency, that person should want to correct those things um, and have the opportunity to do that, right? And so I think, again, it can be a little bit uncomfortable, um, you know, because maybe it's a situation where it's even you're a subordinate and it's your supervisor or what have you. But, you know, this is where we need to feel empowered to help raise one another up. And, you know, again, that's how we move the bar forward, right? Um, so. Yeah. I mean, I love your perspective. I think it's awesome the way you look at the opportunity you have to shift that perspective. Right. Um, and I have a ton of respect for you for seeing that as an opportunity and not a burden. Right. Um, but we all have a responsibility to, um, make sure that as we are seeing and hearing things, you know, they, they get addressed. So, Um, okay. The next one is having courage to hold yourself and your business accountable, um, for progress. So what are your thoughts on that one? As it relates to me personally, um, I think it's important when you find yourself, um, in a position where you can give back. I mean, I think about my life along the way and all the different people who helped me, other parents that didn't look like me, teachers that didn't look like me, friends, you know, having that support system around you is important. And if I can provide some hope to someone, I want to take the opportunity to do that. I, you know, I'm becoming more and more aware of how I impact others. Um, and I want to leverage that um, mm-hmm. whenever I have an opportunity. Um, I was just talking to one of um, my employees and they're interviewing candidates. It's like, make sure you have the candidate pool is diverse. Like mm-hmm. work with your recruiter. Like if you're in a position where you can make a difference and influence, you should take advantage of it. I always feel like if you have power, 
to make change, to influence, make it for the better, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like in the position that I, I'm in, personally, giving back to the community, making sure people see that there are people like them that can be successful. And then from a business perspective, making sure I'm making you know decisions where I can help influence and, and make change, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are there any other areas of courage that come to mind other than those that we have brought up? I think it's okay to be uncomfortable. I mean, mm-hmm. we talked about this a little bit. It's okay to be comfortable. It's okay to to have that courage to speak up. Um, if, if anything, you walk away from this podcast, I, I want you to be mindful and understand that it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay to be uncomfortable. But the fact that you are aware that you're uncomfortable is the first step and being transparent and honest and having those courageous conversations mm-hmm. is a, an important step in the right direction, right? Yeah. It's okay to be comfortable. Yeah. I mean, honestly, you know, the idea of change doesn't come from comfort zones, right? So mm-hmm. if the idea is we need to increase diversity, people are going to have to get uncomfortable for that to happen, right? right? So you have right. to kind of embrace that a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to ask you... Um, this is a really upfront question, but the reality okay. is, I mean, I'm ready. I'm the, ready. <laughs> uh, I know you are. I know you are. Uh, the reality is probably the majority of people listening to this podcast are white men. Okay. So I would just say like, I don't know if it's 51% or 85%, but I mean, that tends to be the audience still. Um, and, you know, in your years of professional experience as a woman of color, you know, you have come up against some very challenging, very unfair situations. Mm-hmm. We don't need to go into any of those. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I do want to ask is two questions. And the first is um, for any white man listening to this, leading a business, what do you want that person to consider related to this topic? I think that's a a very good question. I would say what I would want someone to hear, my response is leave your conscious or your unconscious bias at the door. Look at me who I am as an individual. And as we continue on this spectrum that I, I, you know, say that we're on this, this change around diversity equity, and inclusion, ask yourself what you're doing as a leader in your organization to make the steps for change. Mm -hmm. You know, I was looking at some of the statistics out there, and there's a lot of them, but I'll I'll just point out one where you talk about equity. And it's not just about money. It's about making sure everyone is on an even playing field. And if you look at some of the statistics statistics about an African-American woman, it's like 64% of African-American families are led by a single mom. Mm-hmm. And if you think about equity and everyone being on an even playing field, what are you doing in the workplace to attract and keep? good talent? 
when you have them because that's a, a part of it too not only do you got to get them you got to be able to keep them mm-hmm. um so leave your unconscious bias and your conscious ones at the door and reflect on yourself and and look at what you're doing to make change within your organization mm-hmm. and for yourself right yeah part of it is reflective on yourself too so for sure and i think um you know, this diversity, equity, inclusion, it's one of those topics. There's a handful of them, right? That Mm -hmm. are, everyone says it's important because they know they have to, right? But it isn't a matter of, of, okay, well, did I check that box? Right? Right. Like, yeah, so for sure, we're definitely focused on that, right? Um, You have to actually care. You have to actually have a desire to make this change and you have to be willing to put in the work. And I think also part of it is um, the, how are you driving accountability um, for these efforts, right? So, you know, they say only what is measured gets attention, right? So if you are saying this is important for your business, then what is the real, um, you know, accountability you're holding the organization to, to, uh, to make that progress. Um, okay. The second part of that question is, you know, if there is a a woman of color listening to the podcast, who's sort of, you know, maybe earlier on, um, in her career, Mm -hmm. um, what advice or words of wisdom would you share? I would say performance is at the top of the list. Make sure you're doing what you say you're going to do or what they expect you to do. I think that's very important. You got to be able to perform. But also, I think it's important that you continue to reflect and defy that myth, that that false impression of an African-American woman. And I'm not saying to not be your authentic self. I'm not saying that at all. but it's important. I, I, I think if you are your authentic self, it, it's going to have even more of an impact to influence other uh, that are around you and, you know, have the courage uh, to, to be that example um, for chain within the organization that you're a part of. Yeah, for sure. I do really admire you a lot for the way you look at that, because I think that um, that's, I mean, it's a heavy burden to bear to always feel like you are fighting someone's interpretation of you before they've even met you, you know, Um, and to be where you are and to overcome what you've overcome and to get to where you are, but do it without any sense of bitterness Or anger, you know, uh, and maybe you have it and you just don't show it. I'm not sure, but it doesn't seem like, you know, and I think um, that takes a very strong person, right? To, you know, be able to be proud of where you've come and grateful for your blessings, but also be able to see it as an opportunity. Um, And yeah, but I, I Oh, sorry. Don't mean no, to cut you no, off. I was just going to say your attitude about it is admirable, but I do have a lot of respect for just the burden that that must be, you know? I mean, that there has to be moments of immense frustration in, in all of that as well. Well, let me, let me just tell you some just really quickly, Sarah. I, for me, 
I look at things in a positive light. They can be good or bad as, but as how you interpret it, right? Mm -hmm. I think having a positive attitude about things is that that glass half full. I mean, I, I see a situation and I, I see it as an opportunity to learn and grow. If you make a mistake, okay, move on. What have you learned from this? And I try and have that perspective on everything that I do. I mean, I, I told you at the beginning, some of the challenges that I've had in my life, they've helped define who I am as an individual. And it gives me a perspective. It gives me a lens on life that others may not be able to relate to or can relate to. Um, and you just move on, you learn from it and be positive. Mm -hmm. Hashtag positive. <laughs> so. Yeah, I love it. I do. Okay. So you've mentioned a little bit sort of the, the spectrum mm -hmm. or the continuum we're on of, yeah. okay, you know, it's better than it used to be. Uh, and in, in many organizations, you know, there is real progress happening. Um, and I think it is important to, you know, point out the fact that we don't need to aim for perfection. Okay. I mean, ultimately we do get to a place where this conversation, um, isn't necessary. Right. I mean, I think that's the end goal, right. Is that, uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion reach a place where it isn't such a hot topic because right. we've just gotten to that spot. But right. until we're there, um, you know, it, it doesn't, we don't need to hold ourselves to a standard of perfection. We just need to be continually looking at how to make progress. Right. So you mentioned, um, some of uh, the things that that Schneider um, has done in terms yeah. of making that progress. So you talked about the unconscious bias checklist uh, yeah. in the hiring process, which you were yeah. impressed by. Yeah. Um, you know, you mentioned that they have done um, some efforts around uh, salary equality, which is incredibly important, incredibly important. Um, the other thing I was hoping you could tell folks about is the privilege walk. Um, because this is super unique and I think it would be good for, for people to hear about. Yeah. Um, very first time ever, uh, doing a, a privileged walk. And I think when we talk about biases and that we all have some biases, but being aware of those biases are, are very important. And I think this privileged walk um, makes you aware of many things. And it was another opportunity um, to create that culture. I, I think culture is built on different experiences that you have along the way. And this is just one of them where you are, you have this safe place where you can speak out and be vulnerable. So mm -hmm. let me just give you an example about, you know, this privilege, like being right-handed is a privilege, being raised in a home with two parents that love you is a privilege, mm -hmm. right? Um, we don't think about those things every day. And, you know, being vulnerable, I mean, I heard so many amazing things about my colleagues that I didn't know before. Mm -hmm. And it really changes how you interact with them going forward. It's, it, it was truly truly um, an amazing experience to, to go through something like that. I would encourage others to look it up, have a session um, with your managers, with your direct reports, 
it was a, a really awesome, awesome experience. So tell people a little bit, what what is it? Like, how did it work? Yeah, so basically, um, we had some leaders come in that led the conversation. Um, it was very interactive. And when I say interactive, it's not in person, right? We had to make it as interactive as we possibly could um, virtually. Um, but basically, they asked some very, very probing questions out there. Um, and, and one example, um, if I can think of it, they talked about how um, in some industries they expect, you know, women to be a little bit more passive. And then if they are to come across as, as aggressive, they see them in a, a negative light. And then I brought up the whole African-American female, like to be able to be open about things like that at work. I mean, it was just a pretty amazing. You find out like, what language do you speak? What's your primary language, right? You know, it is a privilege to be in the United States and have English as your primary language. There were some of my team members, they were born in Taiwan. You know, mm -hmm. English is their second language. And when I interact with them, I'm like, okay, like he has to think even harder when he's trying to talk to me about complicated things. It, mm -hmm. It's just awareness, transparency, and it allows you to relate to the whole person. Mm-hmm. Not just my colleague, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So it was a virtual session led yeah. by certain leaders where it was really just sort of like an open forum dialogue um, yes. around different, um, I guess, just like personal journeys of folks, right? And people talking about what their struggles are and, and things of that yeah. nature. Am I understanding yes. correctly? Okay. Yes, that, and, that is correct. And, and, and these individuals were trained on this type topic in particular to, to bring out the conversation, to bring out the dialogue and make sure people are aware of your privileges mm -hmm. that you have. Mm -hmm. I mean, did you ever think being right-handed is a privilege, you know, being white, does my husband me see that being white is a privilege mm -hmm. that I don't have, mm -hmm. right? It, it, it brings awareness. Yeah. And I think that is a, a, a first step, an important step in the direction of change, in my opinion. So. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I this idea of immersion in differences is important. You know, it's one of my favorite things about traveling and why mm -hmm. I think traveling helps so much with broadening, you know, people's perspectives, right? It's, mm -hmm. you know, if you're just living in your own universe, you know, you, you don't have that view of what else is, is going on in the world. Right. And right. it's the same idea right. of, you know, people fear what they don't understand, or yeah. they, you know, maybe have some misconceptions about things that are inaccurate, that could be repaired by just hearing people's stories and understanding some of the differences instead of, you know, misunderstanding them. Right. Exactly. So, um, yeah, exactly. I think that's a really interesting thing. So the idea of the privilege walk is something folks could look up and like Absolutely. other organizations do it, have yes. done it. Okay. Yeah. Yes. I think that's a really good takeaway for folks to look into. I know that, um, you know, you mentioned it was impactful. Uh, some of the other Schneider team at the event, you know, talked about it and, 
you know, these are the types of things I think that we need to be examining of how do we get creative? How do we do things maybe we haven't done before to, um, you know, like you said, get everyone to know each other a bit better and reflect on what other people are bringing to the table. Yes. Um, I walked away from that session feeling revived. mm -hmm. I mean, we, I think it was like maybe an hour and 45 minutes, two hours. And you're like, what are we going to talk about? It was amazing. Mm -hmm. It was amazing. Pretty cool. And I think too, you know, when you get, um, I always say like in, in anything, like we've, we've done a number of podcasts on, you know, mental health. Right. And so Mm -hmm. leaders need to drive these conversations because when people within the organization see leaders getting vulnerable or see leaders Mm. confronting their own biases or saying, Hey, you know, I have a question and it might be worded the wrong way, but let me ask it anyway. Or, you know, it's, it's leading by example, right? And, you know, that is opening the door for others to understand that it's okay for them to also have the same courage, right? I mean, it's important to show that. Um, So, okay. Um, So, Latasha, in closing, um, do you have any other thoughts you would like to share or advice, you know, you would, um, suggest for individuals or for organizations that, you know, really care about this and, and want Mm -hmm. to continue to make progress? I'll just reiterate, uh, having the courage to speak up, creating a safe environment where people have a platform to speak up, right? To be transparent and also understanding and recognizing that you have a gap and creating a plan, a meaningful plan to make change, meaning have good goals, understanding where you are today and say, I want to be here by when and developing meaningful actions to get you to that place. I think that's one of the the most important things that you can do. It's it's one thing to say, yeah, I I know we have a gap, but what what are you truly doing in order to get there, Mm -hmm. right? And can you measure it? Yeah. I think, you know, the idea of the privilege walk is is super important. I mean, salary equity should be just table stakes, but I mean, that's an area people obviously need to work on. Um, I love the idea of the unconscious bias checklist. I think, you know, the other thing is um, think about how you leverage your network, right? So, I mean, internally, if you don't know where to start, create some focus groups and give people a chance to open up and be honest about their experiences. And that might give you a really good indication of things that need to be addressed or reach out to a colleague in an organization that is maybe a few steps ahead of you and ask some of the things they've done and get some different ideas that way, right? I mean, um, yeah, the point is, do something, (laughs) do something, do it courageously. Don't sit still, take action. And, uh, you know, know that, um, an honest intent and, you know, a, uh, 
a, a real desire to um, to educate yourself and to to make progress here is what matters more than anything. So, um, all right, Latasha. Well, thank you so much for having this conversation with me. Thank you, Sarah. I appreciate it more than you know, um, and uh, I'm sure that our audience will find it incredibly valuable. So I appreciate you being here. Thank you. It was an honor. Appreciate it. You can find more at futureoffieldservice.com. You can also find us on LinkedIn as well as Twitter at the Future of FS. The Future of Field Service podcast is published in partnership with IFS. You can learn more at ifs.com. As always, thank you for listening.